0: Today we're talking to Brandon Carson, Director of Learning at Delta Airlines. Brandon is author of Learning in the Age of Immediacy, published back in 2017. And in that book, Brandon focused on five factors which he believes are transforming the modern workplace. Learning technologies like augmented reality, or AR, and of course, virtual reality, or VR. And Brandon has a new book out shortly. It's called L&D's Playbook for the digital age. And this book helps to make the case why corporate learning and development needs to really orientate itself, or in fact, reorientate itself for the digital age. And it lays out a tactical playbook that you can apply in your learning and development practice. The other reason I have Brandon on the show today is because Brandon is also co-founding director of an organization called L&D Cares, or Learning and Development Cares. And at its heart, It is a network to help learning professionals like you and me in these difficult pandemic times. And right now, I know for a fact, I'm sure you do too, there are plenty of people out there in our training business community who can do with all the help that they can get to get back on their feet. In today's episode, how learning and development can, in fact, prepare itself for the digital age, which technologies will shape corporate learning, and what is learning and development cares or LD cares? And how can it help people like you and me? It's a value-packed episode, so check it out now. This is the Training Business Podcast. Hey, and welcome to the trainingbusiness.com podcast. Every week, we bring you exciting news and interviews with training business experts and training business entrepreneurs from around the world. Thanks for tuning into today's episode. Here's your host, Mark Garrett-Hayes. Brandon, hi. Welcome to the show. Hey, Mark. Thank you for having me on. So where are you today right now as I'm speaking to you? I am in Atlanta. And um, the reason I have you on the show is because a previous guest actually um, recommended you. Lisa Spinelli over at ATD said, you've got to talk to Brandon. He's doing some amazing things. And, And you've contributed to several books, including... Leading the Learning Function, Tools and Techniques for Organizational Impact. Um, you've authored that book and, and your new book comes out in July 21, which is L&D's playbook for the digital age. Why do we revisit your first book, first of all? What are the key takeaways from learning in the age of immediacy, which came out back in 2017?
1: Yes, the first uh, that book, which you're right, was in 2017, was really setting the stage for uh, L&D to really place itself on center stage as the digital age was unfolding and obviously continues to unfold because work is dramatically changing and uh, there are technologies that are driving this change, but there are also these technologies and these underlying. Uh, uh, technologies that are changing the infrastructure are causing not only uh, business to change, but obviously impacting how work gets done. And so, the idea behind that book was: let's take a look at these five, you know, core technologies that are driving the digital age, and let's look at their impact on business and the workplace so that L&D can uh, figure out and determine its own strategies moving forward to be able to support both the workplace and the business as we get deeper and deeper into the digital age.
0: Okay, so those five factors, which you wrote about back in 2017, include augmented reality or or AR, uh, VR or virtual reality, the cloud, mobile, big data, and... IOE sometimes called IOt, the internet of everything or Internet of things, so four years on uh, using using the the tool or the leverage of retrospective coherence, have those five factors played out in the way you believe they would
1: they are continuing to unfold, and I think the biggest impact uh, from all of those are the cloud. the cloud has fundamentally altered almost every aspect of how business gets done, and of course then a lot of these things were accelerated last year due to the pandemic, and we, you know, many of us had to accelerate our visions of what the cloud brings us, and what all these other technologies that uh, revolve around the cloud are doing to allow us to be able to be more distributed and, uh, you know, less physical as, as you know, to get the work done. Right, but even in, even beyond that, these, those technologies are still uh, unfolding. And, uh, and really driving everything that's changing. And I, I would say the cloud's the one having the biggest impact on everything.
0: Have any of those surprised you in terms of how they've turned out since 2017?
1: I, I mean, I'm still surprised with, and this is a vigorous discussion uh, in the industry with, with lots of folks, is the, the immersive experiences brought on by augmented reality, virtual reality, those those technologies. There's still a lot of hurdles to overcome, uh, you know. Seemingly, for a lot of organizations to really drive the biggest impact from them. And in my new book, I actually talked to Jeremy Balenson. Uh, he contributes a section on uh, virtual reality because he's the co-founder of Striver, and he also works at Stanford on uh, doing research and uh, trying to. Uh, figure out how these immersive experiences really have more impact on our behavior. And, and so it was a really good discussion, but I think as a learning, you know, as a, as a learning practice, we have a lot more work to do there to figure out how we can, uh, you know, bring these types of technologies into our practice for maximum impact. And I think we're still having that vigorous debate. Uh, You know, a lot of times in corporate learning, we're faced with, uh, lots of different dynamics and variables that impact how we do what we do and lots of complexities and and then hurdles that these types of technologies bring the business and, you know, the folks that would be consuming these types of technologies. There's just a lot there to unpack and figure out how do you scale this kind of thing across an organization. So I think that that one is not, you know, we've been having this discussion for a long time. the The whole idea of immersive worlds and different types of experiences. I remember back in Second Life, we were having these discussions when I was at Sun Microsystems back in the day, right? So, so I think that's the one that is is still that if you if you look at a lot of, uh, I think uh, Gartner had their their release out on the hype scale around technologies and stuff like that. That one's still the one that. It's, there's a lot of question marks around that. But we've definitely embraced mobile. We've definitely embraced the cloud. We've definitely embraced um, a lot of these uh, uh, technologies I was talking about, especially data. The conversations we're having in L&D are much more revolving around how we uh, bring forward data to help inform our, our go forward and our strategies. So.
0: Yeah. Last week's guest, Don Taylor, is synonymous with his global Sentiment Survey, GSS, which goes out every year. And what he found surprising, if I recall, was was the slight dip in, in um, I would say, attitude towards VR and AR. Perhaps they were anticipated as being quite hot maybe two or three years ago, but um, that's gone down a slight bit. And upskilling and reskilling has, I think, gone up marginally, as has um, social selling, or I should say social um, learning. Um, have any of these given you pause for thought as to what's around the corner in the next couple of years? So that that book was from 2017. What what do you think now are the trends which point to the future of talent development and the HR landscape?
1: Well, it, that's a good, good, uh, statement from Don and I've, you know, am very well respected in his sentiment survey. I was actually a part of that. I, I think part of our challenge that we're faced with is that, uh, and, you know, even thinking back to 2017 and, and now, you know, everything that's happened, right? We've got a lot of disruptions going on at the same time that's an impact in business. Not only this acceleration of the digital transformation, there was the digital transformation to begin with. That is this confluence of all these things that we've been talking about that are coming together and really fundamentally altering a lot of, you know, like I said, how we get the work done, right? And and, and it's actually redefining what it means to work. And so I think we're in that era of you know right now this is the largest scale job transformation in human history that we are undergoing right now, right? We're in this massive shift, right? And and that's why you see this it's almost like the AI winter when you think about it. We're kind of we're coming out of this L&D winter, right, where funding was challenging, you know, over the last 20 years if you look at how Uh, Corporate learning organizations were where they were placed and how they were funded. You know, they became uh, more of a cost burden uh, in a lot of ways. And so we're coming out of that winter mainly driven by this acceleration that's uh, impacting this job transformation that we're under. And so a lot of senior leaders and corporate executives are realizing wait a minute, we've got to not only we, we need to expect more from our internal learning organizations because we need more for our workforce. So we've now got to rethink how we're doing corporate learning. And so that's what, and that's what this year's book, but that's what I've been talking about for several years is we have to fundamentally rethink and take a new approach because we have to em- embrace the fact that change is constant in a static L&D practice is just unsustainable. And so I think that's what we're seeing is that exponential acceleration. Uh, the pandemic didn't obviously help, but to your point on the reskilling and upskilling, a massive skills polarization has emerged, and this is going to be the next several years for the workforce. So I do think that these other types of modalities and and what we like to think about as blingy kinds of things like <laughs> VR and AR, you know, all these sort of like... Uh, you know, things to think about are are important, but I think they, you know, they are all part of a a broader strategy that our LD folks need to be putting together in concert with the business because those are just ways to deliver experiences. And and I think that we, you know, none of us are going to focus on just one of those. I mean, right now where I'm at, we're focused on how do we leverage those types of You know these these mixed reality experiences, how do we leverage those as part of the overall way we bring uh, knowledge transfer to the workforce? The best way I've seen this done, in my opinion, is what UPS was doing in their driver training. How they integrated VR experiences into their overall academy for their driver training was really brilliant in a lot of ways because it was just a component in the overall curriculum that really helped sustain and and drive some of the behaviors that were necessary right before they're, they're putting these folks into actual vehicles. And uh, But it wasn't all focused on, ooh, you know, the bling of a whole VR thing. It was really just a part of the broader experience, which involved lots of other modalities and how learning was delivered for that particular audience. And so that's the best way I've seen it done. When we focus too much on just one technology, you know, that that's not that's why things get prioritized a little differently. I just think, and Jeremy said this in the interview that I did with him in the book, he did say though when you look at VR from a corporate learning standpoint, you really have to go all in with it. You have to deeply understand how it can impact the workforce and their behavior. And then you need to fold it in as a part of your overall strategy, dabbling in it can be actually more dangerous than if you spend the upfront time to figure out what impact can it have and where should it be in our overall strategy. Then you just go there.
0: Yeah. And it's, it's, it's um, interesting because I've been having conversations with people for a number of years now, and there's been a huge amount of anticipation um, in terms of what things like VR and AR can bring. And I I almost cringe thinking of the early tech I saw, um, and now there are organisations really, uh, you know, moving ahead in leaps and bounds with thinking of ways to actually integrate this into the learning environment. And I did some work indirectly with British Aerospace in the Middle East, and um, there was great feedback on how they train engineers to, for example, uh, learn how to um, do things on the work floor or um, fit out aircraft. So I guess not a in AR and and um, to a lesser extent. Um, AI are not for everyone it 's not a case of just finding a, a reason to ha- to kind of hammer this into uh, the learning environment, but just think tactically is this something that 's going to actually lend itself to to our learning requirements
1: yeah that 's exactly it and I think we do have some fundamental re-architecting to do of our value proposition and i think that 's why the conversation has shifted a bit brought on by the the pandemic and of course the acceleration that 's happening there 's not one company that you know, out there that is not either in the middle of, have just implemented or are thinking about their infrastructure from a technology standpoint from back to front. Right? They're all trying to figure that out and they're all in various stages. And in this skills polarization we're under is going to bring the business a significant challenge. So I think that's why you're hearing over the last year and a half, we've been hearing more about how do we address this skills gap? And then, oh, by the way, we're going to have uh, an aging workforce that's going to have six decade careers, right? So we're living longer. People are living longer. We're going to work longer and potentially have 60 year careers with the shelf life of skills, you know, not, it's going to be hard to keep up with that. So corporate L and D is kind of on point to help drive this continuous learning but also this polarization that we're finding in the book, I talk about there's really two types of workers now. There's the physical worker and the cognitive worker. And the physical worker is, is, you know, responsible for a lot of routine tasks. And then the cognitive worker is responsible for a lot of non-routine tasks. And when we talk about reskilling, you know, that that's a big that's a big slice of what we're going to have to be faced with because we're going to have to actually take people from job roles that they may be doing now and convert them, if you will, or help them reskill themselves for the job of the, you know, of the future that our companies need. And then there's the upscaling component, which is really all about augmenting or building more capability on top of what those workers are already able to do. And then there's a segment of folks who are. it's going to be very challenging for them. You know, If you're a physical worker and you, you want to move away from some of the routine tasks you're faced with, or those routine tasks are becoming more automated and requiring you to uh, reskill yourself, then how are we really going to be able to do that in a timely and efficient manner? And I think those are the things that are keeping a lot of chief learning officers and learning leaders up at night. Because uh, and one thing I argue about in the book is we really need to be in more discussions at the at the levels in, in our businesses where if they're significantly investing, which they are in technology, AI being one of the big ones that companies are investing in, they've got to really understand what their workforce is capable of doing. And that's where the learning practice HR, you know, however it's 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 organized in the company you're in, you need to be in those discussions when those te- technological decisions are being made so that you can, you know, share with the the senior leaders what the capabilities of the current workforce are, what you need to buy, build, or rent, right. To be able to execute on the strategies that the, the deciders are, you know, implementing with this technology integration so that, one, we don't have chaos and confusion when these technologies are becoming integrated into the business uh, and and that workers can actually step up and be able to execute these strategies because the public school systems, the colleges, they're not bringing you the talent with the skills needed. And so there's, there's a gap right now between this race to you know, for businesses to remain competitive by integrating new technology, and and then having a workforce that can execute on strategies driven by that technology, and that's where a lot of our focus is right now. So things like AI, you know, the the delivery mechanisms and all that obviously play an important part, but they have to be an overall part of really moving the knowledge transfer ahead at at a speed of you know that business is moving, and that and that is the challenge. So
0: it serves a strategic need, not just um, a specific learning and development re- uh, need. So the book is called um, l and Playbook for the Digital Age. It comes out through the ATD Press in July 21. Time of recording now is May 21. And the subtitle, if I've got this right, Brandon, is, or at least part of the the uh, material defining what the book's about, it says it lays out a tactical playbook for you to use and adapt to your own L&D practice, which will position you for success. Um, what are the tactics and what is the playbook in that sense? It obviously speaks to some of the things you mentioned, but if we think of this as a, 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 a blueprint or a, or a playbook, literally, for someone who's running an L&D practice, what would they need to take from this and what can this guide them through?
1: You, you're, you're spot on. It's literally a playbook. So the first book was a bit more higher level, talking about these the tech Technology convergence, if you will, that's going on that's driving the digital age and giving you thought like how do you how do you put your head around what's happening? This book is actually more tactical and applicable for uh, the learning the the folks in the learning uh, organization that are putting together the strategy or the whole organization because here's the other thing we have to have acumen especially technical acumen at every level in an lnd function now it's not anything we can run away from so this is much more tactical in like okay here we are you know and a lot of and i actually started writing this and pitched the idea of this before the pandemic hit and then as the pandemic unfolded atd was in discussion with me going okay bring some of that in, you know, the impact that this is having. And, and it's a little hard because it's, un, you know, the, the pandemic was unfolding as I was writing it. So, so there's some observation there, but it's, you know, a year later now. Um, but it kind it holds up really well because really what we're doing here and, it, and the idea hit me back when I was in my previous incarnation in retail, when we were uh, the, the organization I was at, we were trying to plan out, you know, a little bit ahead from the business standpoint, and the CEO at that point said, "You know, I don't know what the store of the future is going to look like eight years from now." And that's usually at that level what they were trying to do is that they, they, when you would do scenario planning with the CEO here, they wanted to plan eight years ahead. You know, this is what the store looks like, this is what the operation looks like, and this is what our business is like. and In his point now was we have we can't plan eight years ahead because we have no idea because things are unfolding so fast so we have to we have to have both a strategic vision that can that can take us as far as it can which might be 3 to 5 years but we have to have a flexible playbook like approach to make changes and to be able to pivot quickly and so that's when it struck with me is like okay well LD needs the same thing i don't plan my playbooks out more than 3 years now sometimes i you know, you, can, you find yourself in a procurement system inside these large organizations that might take you 18 months to procure a system or something. So there's these, these you know, complementary parts of the business that need to also become much more nimble and flexible, right? But the argument here is like, okay, here's something to really think about the challenges you're going to be facing over the next two to three years. You know, and how do you evolve your learning practice quickly enough? How do you set it up and structure it to be nimble enough to make the pivots and the changes necessary because the business strategies are not going to be that fixed for too long? So that's the whole idea. And it, the book really takes folks through a step-by-step. You build an actual playbook. And I've just designed a workshop that goes along with it through Allen Academy, which is uh, Dr. Michael Allen's group. And, um, you know, we're going to go into much more, we're actually going to build one there, but just reading the book, it gives you the steps to build a much more kind of like a sports like playbook.
0: Yeah. That's the analogy, isn't it? I mean, playbooks definitely, is it a football term? Is that right? Football. Exactly. Yeah. That
1: You can just make change. You're going to have to make some changes necessary, but you're going to have to have a workforce in your, you know, your L and D team is going to have to be, you know, uh, nimble and flexible as well. And, able to pivot and make changes necessary and, you know, and stop being sort of an order-taking support service that you've set up in this waterfall model to just do these month-long projects and stuff like that. I mean, literally, where I'm at, we've got things that are happening where we need responses from learning in a week or two, right? So, what can we do? How flexible and nimble can we be? So, that was kind of the whole idea behind the book.
0: Yeah. You mentioned nimble and then you mentioned uh waterfall and instantly agile jumped to mind. I think that was a word that was coming into my mind. Um, the idea that almost that we're, we're not looking ahead three, four years, but we're thinking in terms of sprints, almost, you know, thinking of the agile project methodology that we're, we're going to, we're going to serve the organization's learning needs. We'll do so in shorter term horizons.
1: Yeah, that's exactly right. We, we, um, there's a couple of things too, and, and a lot. Of, you know, the great thing about you know the last year and a half coming out of it, it's been it's been such a challenge and a struggle for us globally. Obviously, and in, in it's so tragic in so many ways going through this global pandemic. But one, you know, there have been some bright spots coming out of it, and one of those is really the right conversations are now starting to be had in the L and D practice and in corporate training. Uh, we are seeing more investment coming. We are seeing recognition that this is a practice in the enterprise that needs more attention, needs more visibility, needs to be, uh, you know, put on uh, put on um, point to really drive change. And so, as a practice, at least we're starting to have some really. We're coming out of that winter, you know, that that twenty-year kind of fog that we've been in as a practice and. And now we're accelerating new methods of design and delivery. And so, when you say agile, that that's really what we have to fundamentally start having conversations on, and you know, within our teams, is what are our capabilities that we really need to have? What are our practices that need to change so that we can provide the workforce what they need to optimally perform in this like very, you know, uh, uncertain world that we're going through from a work perspective. I mean, just these things about distributed work, some of the conversations we're having about remote work and distributed teams and all of this really brings up all sorts of questions about how we're developing our people and our leaders to be able to work in this new new model, right? Because a lot of the workforce is now saying, well, hey, for a year we've gone home and we've set up workstations in our home and we've kept the work going and we've been doing it. So wait a minute. Now you're not able to just tell us to come back to an office. Let's have a discussion. Let's have a conversation about this. Right. And so how do leaders respond to that and all that kind of stuff? So uh, along with all of what's going on with technology in general, L&D is also, you know, that we're on point to keep the humanity of work front and center as well. And so that's, it's a big charter for us. And it, it's an interesting time. It's probably one of the best times I've been in this for 25 years. This is the best time to be in this space because we have more responsibility and more visibility put on us now to really help advance a lot of these workplace issues and a lot of the challenges for the workforce.
0: And yeah, we're living in what m- some people might say is a VUCA environment. That's the, the term from the military, which is volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous. And do you think then that this is the opportunity, I think you're alluding to this, that uh, at last is going to help to elevate L&D to a strategic seat at the table?
1: That's exactly it. So in the book, I'm actually calling for a complete reorientation of corporate L&D. And and we so one, we need to do our due diligence on assessing our own capabilities and figuring out what do we need. I think we need much more multidisciplinary teams to integrate um, more perspectives on the actual workplace environment itself. So, I argue that we need to be uh, very involved in the construction, design of, of the workplace itself so that we can build and embed learning into the workplace going forward. We need to have much more uh, voice in health and wellness and. Um, you know diversity, equity, and inclusion as it applies to the workforce. We need to be able to, to be in that conversation. And more importantly, we need to be able to be in the conversation when the strategy, the business strategy itself is being formulated. And like I said earlier, because we are really the stewards of the workforce capability. We're able to, should be able to Help the C-suite understand what capabilities the workforce actually has, and then where investments need to be made. So I, I sometimes kind of facetiously say that learning itself should be the business strategy as business goes forward. But what we got, what we need to stop doing is, oh, here's the business strategy handed down to us. Now let's figure out the learning strategy. No, we need to do that in tandem. We need to be in those conversations so that we're not. To downstream from that.
0: This also segues nicely to, you meant, mentioned, uh, you know, health. That, that's definitely something which has come to the fore in the current climate. And that leads nicely to one of your uh, interests right now, which is as a founding director, along with Penny Carson, Kimo Kippen, Les Lemke, and I don't want to leave other people out, but I'm sure I've got some names I could mention, um, who are behind this initiative called LD Cares, learning and development cares who benefits from, from this and and what can they avail of and why does it exist in the first place? Let's, let's begin with that. Yeah. Thank you for asking. So,
1: uh, last year and I actually looked in my chat with Elliot, uh, last April, uh, Elliot, Maisie, and I were chatting, uh, in messenger, we chat a lot, just kind of whatever's going on. And we were talking about, of course, the pandemic that was unfolding, and you know my thought at the time was wow what impact is this going to have across the world in our you know in our communities and our nations and you know what what's going to happen i mean we've there's no playbook for a pandemic we we didn't <laughs> no. right. and i think our government may have had one but we definitely didn't have one in the in our businesses and in our uh, industry and so he and i were just chatting and we felt like there may be a really oversized impact on learning organizations as businesses shutter, we go into lockdowns and and that kind of thing. So, you know, and even at Delta, it, it was an interesting time because we just a month before March 13th, when we closed our offices just a month before almost 30 days, exactly. We were having our, uh, success sharing for the previous year which was the busiest year in travel history 2019 more people traveled than they ever had before and so and then within 30 days almost 97 percent of our business just stopped right and so who knew what was so elliot and i were talking and i'm like elliot i think this might have a big impact on folks in corporate learning so we put this this uh, group together we called some of our colleagues and we said, Hey, let's put an organization, let's get together just as a network, and um, l- let's offer a place for support for those in our industry who may be negatively or adversely impacted by the pandemic. And so we we did that, we called it LD Cares. And and the idea behind LD Cares is if you are impacted. By the pandemic, you need to transition your career in any way whatsoever. We will help you do that because we're, you know, a group of industry professionals coming together to offer support. And so um, we quickly uh, put together a couple of programs, uh, and and so there's really two streams there. If you join our organization as a member, then you can be put into a cohort. Where there's a uh, professional coach for each cohort of people who will help you through your career transition. So it's not necessarily a job placement kind of uh, volunteer community. It's more about us helping you identify what do you need to be focused on to elevate yourself or to move yourself forward in your career. The coaching cohorts are fantastic because we pair you up with uh, nine other members in the organization. So each cohort has 10 people and there's a coach, professional certified coach and everyone's volunteering their time. So there's well, no one's paying for anything. And so you get time with this coach and with your fellow colleagues in this cohort to go through you know, talking and discussing about your transition. And then the other program, Elliot and I were talking about we need to have a fundamental discussion amongst the industry, recruiters, business partners, industry experts about the whole process of uh, seeking jobs and uh, acquiring talent as it applies in this industry, right? So we've brought together this really robust uh, uh, lineup of folks, right, in, in, all, in all aspects of this industry. To really start having more engaging conversation about how do we change the process of acquiring great talent, finding talent, and then integrating them into organizations. And how can we make the hiring process more humane, if you will, in some respects? It can be a very soul-sucking experience for a lot of folks who are out there looking for jobs and they're submitting jobs and they're being ghosted and they're not getting feedback or they're not hearing back. Uh, And on the other side, for folks who are trying to acquire talent the same issues apply right so how can we bring people together in a positive format and have uh, a real game changing conversation and so we call these our career growth summits again we've had two of them we're planning the third one for uh, later this year whereas they're almost like conferences multi-day conferences but everyone's coming together there's no charge for anything and we're having these transparent open conversations about trying to make better uh, as people you know, are trying to make their career transitions. So we have about a thousand members in LD CARES now. It's a very active community. Again, like I said, there's no cost involved. It's just a community of like-minded professionals who are coming together and trying to be a support network for those who have been impacted in the pandemic, but also just to help us have a conversation in this industry to really make it better for you know organizations and people
0: as they go through their career transitions. Where can people find out more about you, Brandon, and of course, LD Cares? Uh, I really appreciate you letting me talk about this too. It's
1: uh, ldcares.org is our website. And that uh, tells a little bit more about our programs, but it also uh, lists our coaches and our board of directors and everyone that's involved in the organization. So you can get a lot of information there. You can join there. Um, And we also have a YouTube channel where we are are actually putting a lot of the sessions from our career growth summits on YouTube. So it's just LD Cares when you go to YouTube. And you can see some of the conversations that we've been having um, around how we come together to make better for the industry. So ldcares.org and join as a member. And then we have a, a LinkedIn community. We've got a lot of activity there um and uh and this coaching cohorts are fantastic our career growth summit we need help so if you have time to volunteer it's a fantastic uh network of people it's very global now as well we have people from all over the world uh coming in and uh, learning from each other it's basically we're learning from each other and we're really trying to kind of come together with this this human element and there's one thing about L&D care cares that we've all decided that is going to drive everything we do is keeping the human
0: component uh, involved. And so uh, that's really important for us. And of course uh, your website to yourself, Brandon W where people can find out more about you personally, your career, uh, your, your speaking opportunities, and of course your books.
1: Yes. definitely. And you, there you can sign up for, if you want to have a briefing with me or discuss any issue with me for no charge at all, you can just give me some of your information and we can, plan time to contact with each other. Again, L and D cares and and that idea of of just talking to people about what's going on in the practice and sharing a little bit about my experiences is really just all about trying to uh, one, advance our practice, you know, which is one thing we need to do because as I've said, corporate learning and training is so important now and so impactful that it it needs to be a profession that people want to get into i mean a lot of us fell into this by accident but i just want to talk to people about the great thing you know the great career you can have in this industry and so it's really a a lot of give back but but exactly visit that website or ldcares.org and learn more
0: brandon thank you so much for being my guest today on the show
1: thank you i really appreciate it mark
0: a huge thanks to brandon carson for being our guest today on the show you can visit Brandon's website, which is brandonwcarson.com, to find out about the talks that Brandon gives, the events he attends, his views on a range of things, and, of course, his books, both current and future. You can also visit l and Cares, and their web address is simply www.ldcares.org. One more time, www.ldcares.org. And you can email them directly, learndevcares at gmail.com. That's simply learn, L-E-A-R-N, dev, D-E-V, cares at gmail.com. Perhaps you feel that you could benefit from the wonderful services and support which this community is offering, our community, or maybe you feel that you can help as a coach, as an accredited coach, and you can contact LD Cares to find out more about those either way, whether you're giving support or you feel you could do with support particularly in times like these and thanks to you for your time today I appreciate the continued listenership and support and wherever you are whether you're on the bike right now or in the bus or the train or the plane or simply working from home whether it's right now in May 2021 or at some point in the future I appreciate your support your listenership and of course your emails and if you've got some more great ideas as many of you do for episodes and content, please keep these coming. You may also, of course, like to write something for the blog if you feel that you've got some particular expert expertise or some interesting insight in a relevant domain, which could be of use and benefit to members of our learning and development community then please drop me a line you can visit the website which is www.trainingbusiness.com for more details or you can simply email me personally which is to mark at trainingbusiness.com i read emails personally and reply individually and last but not least can i ask you to subscribe right now to the podcast on your platform of choice There are many, many great platforms out there, whether it's Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, or other platforms which you may listen to the show on. And you will be rewarded with upcoming content every single Thursday. There is a fresh episode. So until next week, when I look forward to your company and your suggestions, look after yourself and loved ones. Catch you next time. Bye for now.